Huzzah. Welcome to a new episode of Stuck at Home with me, Cliff Dorfman, and this guy. Uh, don't, don't even mess with me. I'm still asleep. <laughs> I'm still asleep. Smith. Yeah, happy hump day, buddy. Uh, hump day? What's yeah. going on, brother? I'm very excited. I mean, hey, yeah. I, 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 thank you. I was waiting for the, for the sound bit. Welcome to this early morning. <laughs> I just wanted to welcome you mm-hmm. to Stuck at Home, mm-hmm. the show where Cliff and I talk about shows we love and we want you to love. Yep, we'll tell you all about the streaming wars, what to stream and where to stream it. I have been so excited for this morning. We don't normally do our show this no. early, but once they said we could have our guest today, and they're like, the only time we could do it is 9.15. I'm like, I don't, I don't I didn't even ask you. I'm like, I don't care. It's like Cliff at Christmas, and he's Jewish, so I don't even know how he behaved. <laughs> I was such a fanboy. And and the worst part was, you know, because Apple's so sweet and they give us the the doc early to watch. And then you're embargoed. You can't po- and they say you can't post about right. it. You can't say shit. And I have watched it twice. I mean, this thing, so Billy Eilish, The World is Blurry, The World is Blurry by RJ Cutler. Holy crap. <laughs> this thing is it's so different than the regular pop star documentary. This is a a deep. I mean, were you not blown away? Oh no, I I absolutely agree with you. It's very, very, very good, and and it is different. It does. I mean, but Bill and I'm, and Billy Eilish is different, and that's what makes this really cool. And the way I, you know, I really enjoy the way this this thing got put together. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm very, very proud and pleased to announce our next guest today. Right now is the wonderful, amazingly talented director of movies such as like If I Stay, which I don't know how many times I had to see it in the theater. By the way, I say had to, I wanted to with my son, <laughs> like cried my eyes out. Chloe Grace Moritz, he directed Belushi, that's on Showtime, which I've already seen twice, which is, you know, you thought maybe, oh, another documentary on Belushi? No, this is now the quintessential doc on Belushi. Absolutely. And he did that um, documentary, it's Listen to Me, Marlon. Oh my God, it had all that uh, crazy uh, audio footage of Marlins. So he's directed all these movies that I love, and now he's got this movie on Apple TV Plus, Billie Eilish, The World's a Little Blurry. This thing is a deep dive into one of the biggest stars that we have right now. So without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, the amazing R.J. Cutler. See? I did it. (laughs) We call that uh, edging the guest. (laughs) I feel edged. Yeah, <laughs> Mr. Cutler, how are you? Thank you for being I'm, here. I'm great. Thank you so much. I'm just going to record that. That's going to be my my uh, my alarm clock in the morning. Are you? I'm really just so thrilled you're here. Are you just? Thank crazed? you. I really appreciate it. I'm 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 grateful. Um, cra- no, you know, crazed, crazed, yes, but it's all at my desk. So you know, it's not the usual where we travel the world. So we're, we're I, I'm traveling the world through the internet, uh, which is uh, fascinating. You know. But you're getting gypped too. You're getting gypped. <laughs> uh, no, it's just different. This film was my was my silver lining to the last year. You know, it was to be able to work on this and make it, um, and have such a uh, an awesome, uh, uh, you know, creative experience uh, through this last year was just a, a great gift. You know, something I, I want to jump back for a second because something that you do that not a lot of other directors do, you bounce back and forth. From, yeah, and your narrative hand is strong, man. But you go, you do a movie like If I Stay with Chloe Grace, and then you do all these documentaries. It's like you don't really see that that often. How did you begin with making films in general? Just I want to get a little, you know, undertone. Well, to, to be honest, what I began with was 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 directing plays. That was my that was my early passion and and my early career until I was. 
28, 29 years old. And uh, I was, I, I, I spent all my time in working in the theater and I was, you know, I was in New York. I was a Broadway baby. I, I, I was James Lapine's assistant director on the original production of Into the Woods. I wow. directed Jonathan Larson's first musical before Rent, you know, and we did a workshop, a musical called Superbia. I had like a whole, a whole life, but I always felt it was the funniest thing. I always felt documentary film kind of calling out to me. You know, I had been, I had been so moved by films like Don't Look Back and Harlan County, USA and Give Me Shelter, uh, uh, two of those films, which are models for th this movie, um, that I, I just always had this sense that I was going to reach into the documentary world and, and, and see what that was like. And in 1992, I had this idea to make a film about Bill Clinton's presidential campaign and had the great good fortune of partnering up with D.A. Pennebaker and Chris Hedges. And, and having the chance to produce what became The War Room, which was an Academy Award nominated film and, uh, and, and learned at the heels of the, at the feet of the masters, how to do this. I mean, this is. Um, it seems to be a trend with you, whether it's Jonathan Larson or it seems like you learn at the feet of the masters and now you're a master. I've well, thank you for saying <laughs> so. And I've been, I've, I, you know, I've, I've, I've had a lot of fortunate uh, collaborations and um, and this was one of them. Uh, learning you, how to make documentaries from Penny and Chris was 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 the greatest. Did you? Yeah, well, it doesn't sound like it sucked. Did you? Uh, where'd you go to uh, film school or did you go to film school? I, I went to Harvard undergrad. I studied uh, uh, mostly studied theater and theater history there, but I did begin my film studies there. But it was mostly in the in the theory space. I studied with a man named Stanley Cavell, which, who was a great cinema studies figure. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where I learned that. that. I did go to film school, but I, I didn't last very long. Uh, <laughs> I, I, a semester in, I was at USC, and a semester in, uh, I started working on The War Room. And, and I, USC was in LA. The War Room was based in New York. And so I, I was going back and forth a lot. And uh, to be honest, they, uh, you know, when I asked if I could get credit for the work I was doing on the film, they said, no, sir. So I was like, okay, I guess I got to go. So uh, off we went and finished the war. So. Yeah, I guess you didn't need it though. <laughs> yeah, but I learned, I learned, you know, it helped me, it really helped me transition into thinking cinematically. And, uh, and, and, and that was enormously valuable to me. And, and uh, I got to study with a filmmaker, a woman, a great, a brilliant, uh, avant-garde filmmaker named Nina Mankus, who's, it was, you know, great teachers are, uh, are, are a gift. That's a, so far we have a theme to our, to our conversation. I, I don't, I, it seems like I'm random, but I'm not, I swear. <laughs> I have a whole trajectory that I'm taking you on a walk with me. I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you know, um, it's something interesting that you do. Like, for example, with the Marlin documentary, how the hell did you get those audio tapes? You know, and for those who don't know the audio tapes, right? They were never heard audio tapes of yeah. Marlon Brando speaking in his tongue about yeah. personal shit. And yeah. you based an entire documentary on this kind of lost footage. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll, the story of Listen to Me, Marlon, is that uh, John Batsick, the great uh, documentary producer who also produced the Belushi film, we had talked about, we were curious to see if there was a film to be made about Marlon Brando. 
And we, we found out that uh, Mike Metavoy, the legendary Hollywood figure, was the mm-hmm. executor of Brando's estate. And I know Mike from just over the years and, and, and went to, to meet with him and said, you know, here's what we're thinking. Maybe there's a, maybe it's time. Brando had passed away 10 years earlier and he, and, 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 and Mike said, well, you know, when he, when, when Marlon died, they just locked all of his stuff up in a storage facility. The family didn't want people picking through the, his belongings and, they said no to everybody who asked permission to make a documentary about him. They just, you know, Marlon had been kind of, as a public figure, he had been treated with great, you know, derision in his final years. They, they, you know, the people made fun of his size. They made his greatness had been neglected in the in the final years of his life, and the family didn't want to do anything to contribute to that further. So they just put all his stuff in a storage facility, locked it up, and and Mike said, "But it's ten years." It's 10 years since, and maybe they'll be interested. And, you know, Mike said, the thing is, nobody's ever even listened to those tapes. And I said, listen to what tapes? (laughs) And he said, the tapes in the boxes. And I said, what boxes? And he said, come on, everybody knows that Marlon was a self-recorder and he was obsessive and he did it his whole life. And he recorded rehearsals when he was a young man and psychotherapy sessions and seductions and and phone calls and acid trips. And I was like, no, I don't think everybody knows that. Nobody and, knows this, by the <laughs> and way. he said, yeah, let me see if I can get you access to the boxes. And, um, you know, that so it. that was it. And um, it was Stephen, the great Stephen Riley uh, uh, directed that film and with, it was so brilliant and put it together. But, but they, you know, sometimes, sometimes being in the right place at the right time uh, and asking the right question of the right person it leads you down this path. And in the case of Listen to Me, Marlon, that's what happened. When we opened up those boxes and listened to those tapes, man, it was, I, I was like, I genuinely, uh, my mind was blown. My mind's still blown. I have to tell you, I wrote, I have on my notes section, I have quotes I took that I wrote down from that documentary of just things Marlon said. I still look at him from time to time. Oh, no, yeah. no joke. Oh yeah. yeah, no, it's it's quintessential for me. And now you decide I'm going to do this Belushi documentary and we're getting to Billie Eilish, trust me. Sure. Decide, and I do want to say Mike Metavoy is an amazing person. He's one of the first nice. people who said I could write. He was like, you're a good uh, writer. I was like, yeah. oh wow, okay, maybe I am. I don't know. Yeah, like, take I him at his, believe him, believe him. I, yeah, right, exactly. You struck yeah. oil, stop <laughs> thinking. Yeah. So, so okay, Belushi now. So you think like, oh, first there were all these people who said you can't even make a documentary about Belushi and da da da. Now you just, what makes you decide to do this? Because Showtime obviously loves you, but but why this guy? And you know, again, you killed it, but why? Well, uh, uh, again, uh, um, John Batsik plays uh, into the story. He and I. Uh, are not only dear friends, but we had had this wonderful experience together producing Listen to Me, Marlon. And when, as we were finishing up, we had lunch one day and started talking about things we might, other things we might do. And it was John who said, well, what do you think about John Belushi? And I was like, John Belushi, you know, I'm, listen, uh, 1975, I was 14 years old. So Saturday Night Live was a big part of my life. And even before Saturday Night Live, uh, I was a, a subscriber to National Lampoon magazine and 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 was, you know, knew Same the here. radio hour, <laughs> listened to the radio hour. And that was John Belushi's, 
you know, first grade artistic achievement was the was the National Lampoon Radio Hour and how he brought all those people together. That's where everybody, almost everyone who became a not ready for primetime player first joined forces with John and first started working together. So this was a, a formative part of my worldview and sensibility and, and creativity. And um, and so I said that that would be awesome. And he said, well, I've been chasing Judy Belushi um, for a decade and I call her every six months and every six <laughs> months she says, thank you, but no, thank you. And we've kind of become friends. And <laughs> once she did even went as far as to say, I should have lunch with Jim Belushi, who's, you know, came to the lunch table and told me to get the F out. And so I got the F out and <laughs> did he called, really? Yeah. And called Judy, not me. This was John Batsick was yeah. telling the story. And he said, and so I called Judy six months later and, and, you know, it just kept on going. And he said, I think if I send her, listen to me, Marlon, and tell her that you want to direct, she might be, she, this might be the moment. And sure enough, it was. So we got together and started working on the film. I mean, and, and I'm going to touch off on this now, but I do, I do want to say it was also, aside from everything I thought I knew about Belushi, which now I know a million times more, you also keyed me into the fact that um, Jim Belushi is pretty fucking tough. <laughs> like he's he's not he's not a yeah, he's you don't not want to cross a, him you don't want to cross him no I I didn't realize it because he comes off you know he has that goofy persona and it's like nope mm, mm, no not at all he's by the way he's been uh, um incredibly supportive of the film uh I I I don't want to say kind because it's it's uh um you know it's been it's he's he's just being genuine I, if he did, if he had hated the film he would have said so. But yeah. he's he really responded to the film in a very a deeply gratifying way and has has spread the word. And so, um, you know, my hat's off to him. Yeah. So that's on Showtime. So anybody who hasn't seen that, you, you just need to see that. So now let's walk up to this now hit. So you've done a lot of these before, but have you ever felt the groundswell that you're feeling now with the world's a little blurry? Like with this Billie Eilish doc, there's a different energy, right, coming from this. Uh, I, you know, you're asking the wrong guy. You're asking the wrong guy. I, you know, it's three days before my movie premieres. So I'm like, uh, is anyone going to watch? Will anyone you're kidding, watch? right? You're no, kidding. man. No, this is what I'm in. I'm, and also I'm not out on the tour. I'm not doing the circuit. I, we didn't go to Sundance. We didn't, you know what I mean? I, right. I haven't shown this film to an audience. I have not sat in the back row of the theater as I'm used to doing 20 times before a, f a film is released, you know, in, in the buildup to the release of the film and, and watched with an audience. I've, I've never stood before an audience and done a Q and a on this film. This is the normal, you know, the normal approach. You premiere at a big film festival and then you have a bunch of big screenings around the world and then your movie goes to theaters and Apple TV plus in this case, because, <laughs> of, because of COVID. Yeah. There's no, that that space it, and it's fine. It's just, I, I'm not really the one to be asked about a groundswell, although I'm told there's a groundswell and I have no reason not to, not to, uh, not, not to, to doubt it, it. Not yeah. to doubt it. Yeah. but you know, we're, we're, you know, it's a, it's a vulnerable moment you find me in. So, uh, well, thanks for sharing that. I mean, but that's yeah. so interesting because I mean, at this level, you're still sitting here vulnerable about your movie and, and you have a lot of flesh in this. So this starts in 2018. How, how do you, do you, how do you come up with this idea or how do you get brought into this? Cause this is a very, 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 um, 
I want to use the word vulnerable. I mean, this is very touching. This is not, this is sensitive. How do you get brought in or how does this happen? Uh, yeah, I, I'm, you know, I picked up the phone, to be honest. I, uh, uh, um, you know, my, my, my manager got a phone call from, from Billy's team saying, would RJ want to uh, uh, meet with Billy? And so I went and met with Billy. <laughs> I, I knew, I've, of, of course, I knew of her. Right. But um, but I didn't know much of her. I knew that I knew the basics. I knew that she was kind of you know a cultural phenomenon. But and and that 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 her music had been discovered by her fans on the internet and uh, you know and streamed at, at a at a at a startling uh, rate. Um, and that she had still not released her first album. But people were very devoted. But that was it. That was really it. That and, was where um, she was at when you came and in. That's where she was at. Yeah, she had re- she had released an EP and a, and a, and, a, and a few songs, and you know those in the music industry recognized that she was, you know, something special coming down the the pike. But I'm not in the music industry. Um, I you know I uh, uh, I'm a fan, but you know I I don't I the the I hadn't heard a lot of her music on the radio. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, so there you go. Um, right. but I was delighted to meet with her and <laughs> I was excited about the fact that, uh, that, that the family lived in Highland park, which is, you know, a 20 minute, uh, in the car drive for me. So like, I thought, well, if, if this works out, if there is a film to be made here, I'm going to, it's going to be local. Um, it, it seemed to me instinctually that if, that, that if I'm making a film about, you know, a, 16 year at year old at the time uh rising uh, music artist that it was going to be a verite film it wasn't going to be an archival film right. you know um and and the, and and i liked the idea that i'd be home yeah i've got young kids i've i i you know if you want to going to do a verite film in in pittsburgh that's going to be challenging you know uh to life but here was it and and then i met her and I met her and, and, and it was, uh, you know, she's, she's magnetic. She's a force of, of nature. And, 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 um, but more than that, more than that, it wasn't like she put on a show for me. I don't want to, I think force of nature suggests, you know, that she came in the room and, you know, no, I think it's a the environment. It was just, yeah, yeah I don't get it, that. I think it's yeah, a resting it, spot. Exactly. It was, a, there was a, there was an immediate connection that I think we both felt, um, and, and we were both, it was very easy. Um, you know, Billy would have to speak for herself, although she has described it similarly. Um, I think we both felt very easy being ourselves in the moment and being yourself in the moment is the essence of the work that I do. That's, you know, if, if I had one sentence to describe the entire experience, it's big. If, if, if filmmaker and subject are able to be themselves in the moment, you can make a film like the the world's a little blurry. So when you're there, um, is the first time you're there? Is that when she's um, uh, you know uh, plotting out the video? No, we're not. That's she filmed. She filmed that. That's her camera. She's that's holding that camera. That's all. That's footage that one day, a, a couple months into filming, she she said to me, "Look what I found." And I was like, what? She's like, look, it's the video from the, you know, I shot the day before we did one, the party's over music video. And, and, uh, and I played it, we were driving in a van and she, and I played it and, and she texted it to me and I played it. And, 
And Maggie was like, you think she's bratty? I was like, bratty? She's a genius. She's a genius. She's yeah. 16 years old and described like the spe specificity of the directorial vision and the articulation of it and the humor. And the angle the of the leg on the everything. chair. Yes. Are you kidding me? Yes, that's right. Her value, she, she arrives with a complete value system uh, of directorial, um, you know, uh, vision. And and is able to express it, and and knows the difference between things she cares about and things she doesn't care. You know, she that's it's it's awesome that to have that piece of footage. So, but that is before we arrived. Our first shoot that you see in the film um, is the first act is all kind of footage that we collected. The mm -hmm. writing of the album because Maggie had put a GoPro in the bedroom and said to Billy and Phineas, "Turn it on if you th think there's something you want." want to record and they turned it on you know enough that i got a pile of of raw footage shot in the bedroom most of which they're just sitting around but you see the edited uh version of them creating this album and you see the ups and downs and ins and outs and the conflicts and the pain and the joy and the triumph and the inspiration and all of it um it's all in there and uh, and and what a, another gift, another gift, lots of gifts in this film. Well, you you know, a lot of it reminded me, um, you know, uh, very Herzog influenced in in the way, uh, the verite way, and and you know, you were working with non actors, obviously, but there was a difference with this. And uh, okay, so I don't know if you're aware or you follow or watch these things, but it seems like with every pop star, this is the trajectory. Like they release their album, you know, they start to become big. Like whether it's Justin Bieber or One Direction, they do this documentary, you know, One mm -hmm. Direction or Never Say Never, and then they go on to superstardom. And huh. right, I mean, it, it's kind of the path, but with this, it's the, the, the huge difference. And I know everyone's probably going to be talking about this is the family. So is it immediately that you decide like, this is a documentary about the mom and the dad, because they are, I mean, are they not as lovely as they seem? Because I, I, I kind of want them to adopt me. They're fantastic. Reach out, reach out and offer yourself <laughs> up. They are, uh, no, they're, they're, they are, as you see them. And, um, and their trust and their generosity, their embrace of the of the film, even at its most challenging times, it's not easy to have a crew around for a year. It's not easy to have a crew around for a year when you go from being Billie Eilish at 16 to Billie Eilish at, you know, just about 18. That's not easy. And, uh, uh, you know, life got very intense for them and sped up and, and complicated. And yet they, 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 you know, have been supportive of me and this project uh, and our approach and the fact that I had final cut, which is something we, yeah, how'd you get you that? Know, discussed day one. <laughs> I it's read that. Just, how, did, how did you get final cut? It's incredible. You just, I, I, there's no other way to do it, to be honest. There's no other way for me to do it because you don't, wow. the subject doesn't want final cut. The subject doesn't want to make the film and you don't want to see a film that the subject's making. I mean, maybe, but I don't want to say there's no film for a subject to make, but Billy wasn't looking to direct this film. So Billy shouldn't have final cut on this film. She was the subject Fantastic. of the film. The director should have it. And, and, and they, there was no, it was, a, it, it, it wasn't a sticking point. They didn't need to be brought over to understanding it. They got it. They supported Fantastic. it. They embraced it. And, and, um, and it doesn't mean that, you know, it's a, it's a collaborative process. You're filming yeah. someone's life. Um, so it, 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 it's anyway, all of that works yes. out. Um, but my, my sense of 
when I met Billy mm-hmm. in her backyard with her family and her house at full bustle, and you've seen the film, so you know what full bustle in that house is like. It's, yeah. it's, it's bursting at the seams with clothing racks and sneaker boxes and bags being packed and unpacked. And oh, there's so much going on and people. And, and when I met them and we sat in the, at the uh, picnic table in the backyard, it was instantly clear to me that, that the, the, the film that there was to make here was a film about creative process and the arrival of an artist on one hand and... Um, and and coming of age, the coming of age of a person, of a kid, mm-hmm. on the other hand. And so all of the uh, complexities attendant to both of those things and the resonances between both of those things struck me as an exciting possibility. That was my filmmaking instinct instinct when I when I met her. that 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 arriving as an artist, and arriving as an adult had a deep uh, potential resonance for this 16-year-old child who was on the verge of uh, of, of womanhood. And there you go. And that, so, so that meant family. That immediately meant family. Um, and, uh, and, and there was the, you know, and, and, and Maggie and Patrick are, you know, they're, they're, they're awesome. And of course she's creating with her brother. So there's also this other thing, which is that the two of them, there's something, you know, magical, I don't know, magical, miraculous. To have two prodigies in one house. How is it possible? How How is it possible? Yeah. Tell me, I I, I kind of got a little of it from your documentary, but I'm still baffled. The subject of the film. And I say, I don't know, but start with the fact that, uh, the first rhythm each of them heard was Maggie's beating heart as they were gestating. That's the, that's the, the you know, start <laughs> there and, and see where it leads you. I mean, that's, that's what I said to my team. Like, that's the only thing we, we know for sure they have yeah. that they have that in common. And then you see the work and you see the process and, you know, Billy says some really interesting things about it, which is, you know, the, the difference between writing with, with her brother and writing with another artist is that with another artist, if she doesn't like an idea, she has to spend half an hour figuring out how to say so. (laughs) If Phineas has an idea that she doesn't like, she says, I don't like that idea. (laughs) And if she has an idea that Phineas doesn't like, he says, no, I don't like that idea. And then they, and they're, and no, the relationship will is forever. Well, that's the thing, the balance of the egos. I had not ever seen anything. How Phineas so calmly and coolly takes like, and it's not a backseat, but in a way it is because he's the kind of the man behind it and they're both doing this together. Didn't feel like it took any finesse, right? I mean, it felt like that was what it is. Because he's so great at what he does, which is producing. And he's so great at what he does, which is songwriting. And he's, you know, there's there, there are two subjects of greatness in that in 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 any scene that the two of them are in is about two people who are great at what they do and it's amazing to watch but he also has a heart where you know and, and i'm sure you found this but i would like to know did you find that you know it, it doesn't feel edited that he is constantly willing and wants to let her shine well yes that is correct that is accurate I, it is not edited it is his it is his goal um I, I i'm he and there's a lot going on he wants his sister to shine he loves her so much he believes in her but he's also the world's greatest producer yeah period <laughs> and the world's the greatest producer wants wants his artist to shine so it's both of those things happening simultaneously 
Plus, he knows he's writing amazing that they together are creating something special. He knows it because he's the world's greatest producer. Uh, by the way, he <laughs> is the world's greatest. I've never seen anything like it in my life. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you this. It's a little more, uh, not sensitive, but I guess it was personal. Because you, you got into so many personal things in this film. I, I knew, I thought a lot about Billy, but I did not know until this film that she had Tourette's. And this thing, was this a decision that she said, like, okay, it's okay, I'm going to show this, I'm going to talk about this. This is very open. I was I was blown away at the vulnerability in this. Yeah. Uh, no, there's no, we, we're not negotiating story elements. It's this is who she is. You know, there's one agreement, which is we're going to make a film. After that, we don't, we didn't discuss, I don't believe I ever discussed process with her after the, the after we, our first meeting. We're, wow. we're filming and um, and this is who she is and this is part of her life and these are things she said and you know and you see it and 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 Tourette's is present in this film pretty much from moment one you know it's from the first scene where they're filming the when the party's over well it's not the first scene of the movie but it's the first right. beat um uh is is uh the filming of that video and and Tourette's is present and then Tourette's is present throughout and and you've it's it's in it's intense and it's complicated and it's yes um and it's real and you're right it's extremely vulnerable yes and and it made me love her and her family even more and it made me love your filmmaking even more i have to tell you this is just unabashedly i have watched it twice i have watched it alone in my room i, I stood up sat down uh, i was standing in front of the tv i cried i laughed i cried multiple times you've made me cry several different times in different films this one was multiple cries that you have made something that i think is going to be held up for a very very long time i am i have to ask you now because I know I'm going to have to let you go in a minute. What, if you have one, is there a favorite moment for you in the doc? No, now again, <laughs> the wrong time to ask me. Cause I, you know, I love every moment uh, as, and I love them all as one moment, which is what they become for me. First of all, thank you for those kind words. I, I, I really, I really appreciate your, your connection to the film and your response to it. So thanks. Um, uh, there is a moment in the film that's very exciting to me and it's towards the end and you'll recognize what I'm talking about. After she finds out that she's been nominated for these Grammys, she, she, she goes for a drive and she's kind of in a moment of reflection on her life. And it's a rare moment of reflection looking back. And really she's, it turns out that she's looking back over every storyline in the film. Uh, and, uh, and, and she talks about her family and she talks about her relationships and she talks about her physical health and her, her sense of herself physically. And she talks about her dog and she talks about her donuts and she, you know, her pleasure and she talks, you know, and she talks about her career and she does it all very in a, in a, in a couple of sentences, but she concludes by saying life is good. The simplest, the simplest affirmation. And it, on some important level, this entire film that you've watched at that point for two hours and about 15 minutes mm -hmm. is a journey to life is good. And that's very powerful and beautiful and meaningful to me. She's still living at home. Uh, I, you'd have to ask her <laughs> because that was the other incredible thing. I could not believe that through all of this, she's staying in that bedroom in well, Highland Park. She certainly was living at home through all of this. Yes, absolutely. Unreal. I mean, RJ, I cannot 
thank you enough for being here, for sharing all this, and for making such a beautiful, wonderful film. I know you're doing next uh, something about Jewel, right? Uh, uh, yeah, vaping? one of the things we're working on is a multiple-part series on the history of Jewel and the the two dreamers who invented it and what happened to that dream, which was a tiny bit of a nightmare, but um, or more than a tiny bit. That's one of my next projects, yeah. Very much looking forward to that. I, I Again, RJ, thank you so much. And uh, I, I, I don't want to let you go. I know I have to. Apple Plus, thank you. Thank you, everybody, for being involved. And, and uh, again, thank you for making such a great movie again. Thank you, Cliff. I really appreciate it. It's been a, a blast chatting. Okay, absolutely. Take care, RJ. Ladies and gentlemen, RJ Cutler. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I could have talked to him another half hour. I How mean... How cool is that? No, absolutely. In this documentary, I can't say enough how much I love it. And I, I, I've watched it twice now. I told you, now I could actually say it. <laughs> <laughs> I could post about it. I could talk about it. I mean, now I can That's say it. It's out there for the world now. Yeah, it is. I guess it re- releases in, uh, in two days. It releases, yes. The 26th yes. Uh, is when this documentary le- releases. And I mean, it's amazing. So exciting. I mean, that's, that's it. I cannot recommend this doc highly enough. And as everyone who, you know, subscribes to us knows, are all stuck at homies, I don't pull any punches. Nope. I, I, this thing has affected me in a deep way. And it, it, it's an artistry that you rarely get to see. And these, these parents, and that's the other thing I was talking to you about, Jace, was these, you know, her parents. It's, in all these other docs, you see the kids, they're on their own. They're, they're trying to navigate this incredibly uh, barbaric world of fame and success at a very young age. And Billy's surrounded by her family. And I, I have yet to see that. And uh, it's, it's like... I imagine it would be like if, if Sarah got famous and it would be you and Steph. It, it would be a very similar idea, you know? It's, it's, you know, but you don't see that. And I think it's a testament to the music and why she is so grounded and why, you know, we're not reading about her in the tabloids and et cetera, et cetera. And, and if you really she's want to see She's got a good head it, on her shoulders, man. She, she knows what she's doing. And that's, uh, you know, she's more mature than a lot of the adults in this business, which is oh, uh, yeah. incredible. And I, it's a testament to her raising. You know, and you, her parents are the formidable force behind all that. And to raise, again, to raise two prodigies, two geniuses. Said like a dad. <laughs> well, but you really do. <laughs> You're absolutely right. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> Said like a dad. Hey, look at how awesome this kid turned out to be. Good well, parents. it can be Good done. Parents. No, it can true. be done I mean, in this business. Not, you're not wrong. I'm just messing with you. No, no, no. I mean, you're not wrong either. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so, you know, here's the other thing about... <laughs> About waking up this early, I you know what I haven't changed out of what because you just woke cha- up. Well, I haven't changed out of my meundies. Yeah, your me, your me uh, <laughs> hopefully, your uh, yeah. your me undie pants, your PG, your PJs, your me, yeah, the your, lounge, your, your, the loungewear, your loungewear. Yes, I'm wearing my long green loungewear, like you know, whatever it's like a turquoise green one. I, I just yeah. I got like three or four of them. Ah, thank you, Tim. Appreciate it. Another great episode. Thank you, Tim, very much. Yeah, I mean, RJ's, but, but I'll get back to it. So I'm wearing my MeUndies. I haven't gotten out of it. And I'm going to tell you this right now. If I didn't have to go out later to a, an appointment, you know, that, that's a doctor thing, I would not even get out of it all day. I might wear them to the doctor appointment. <laughs> I do. I just wear them. I don't care. I don't care anymore. <laughs> I'm, care. I'm in my loungewear. You you come meet me halfway. You wear loungewear. Like, you know, I'll wear <laughs> shoes. Oh, I'm wearing wear my pants. slippers. We're fine. We're even. That's how. I, that's where I go. You wear jeans. I'll wear my loungewear. Uh, you, you wear. Sh- you wear shoes. I'll wear shoes. You wear slippers. Then we're even. We'll just do it. We'll just. We'll just split it up. I love it. 
by the way, and they got all this new stuff. I got an email. They got a new printout. They're, they're, they got all the these bralettes now. It's micromodal. This thing is so soft. In $19.99 a month for the membership. And at the end of the day, I have nothing else I want to wear more than I wear my undies. And I say it all the time, go soft. It really is free shipping. And if you don't like it, they'll give you your money back. They, they, keep the underwear. We've, we've discussed this. Don't, don't send the underwear back. Keep That's the underwear. Them. Yeah, keep them. <laughs> How you doing, buddy? You okay? You okay? Oh, Tim, you did it too. So we got to get you. Uh, we got we owe we we owe Tim a pair of underwear too. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. There you go. We're gonna have to do that. So <laughs> yeah, it's meundies.com. Offer code stuck. You'll get fifteen percent off. Um, meundies.com. Offer code stuck. You'll get fifteen percent off. Fifteen percent off. Do it. Have fun. Enjoy your undies. Um, and, uh, you know, I got my, I actually got my Valentine ones in the, the mail, um, last week. So I got the foxes. I'm wearing the foxes right now. Um, See what I'm saying? yeah, I love them. I love See them. What I'm saying? Yeah. So, so Jason, I know you're not, I mean, but you're always up early. You're up earlier than me. I'm always up. Thing. I'm, I'm totally fine. I, uh, I, 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 I wake up about six and then I, um, I look at the, um, the clock and go, oh, I could get sleep for two more hours. And then I just think about the, those two hours for the next two hours. Um, like one of okay. those, but Jason's a little, I mean, I fucked up. I have to say, I want to say this to everybody that I fucked up because I got so excited when Scott Porch told us that RJ agreed to do the show. He was like, yeah, but he can only do it at like 9am. I was like, yes, absolutely. Yes. And Jason's my partner. I mean, like on so many things and there wasn't a moment where I was like, Hey Jason, are you good with that? Like, can we <laughs> do 9 like, are you, are you okay? And I just was like, yes, unequivocally. Yes. Resoundingly. Yes. I don't care who has anything to say. Yes. And honestly, I was a dick. So I, I publicly want to apologize to you, but oh, I, I, and I really I, I appreciate I you. I what a trooper I, you are. Definitely a, a ask forgiveness, not permission kind of situation. I would have done the same thing. But just I'm giving forgiveness. On and I get you up at four 30 in the morning. You're like, what is this for? It's like, Oh, you'll find out. No, but I am asking for forgiveness. I do feel badly. Um, even though it was an amazing show, uh, and, and I'm still, you know, adrenaline based from talking to him about this. I'm sorry, buddy. Oh, that's fine, dude. Okay. I have had a lot of time to, uh, uh, to steam over it this morning <laughs> and, uh, and now I'm just cooked. So it's all good. We're good. We're set. We're set. I'm just, uh, I wouldn't uh, open your mailbox for the next couple of days. That's all. I'm oh, saying. no. <laughs> oh, no. Do I we have any news delivery. today? I got a special delivery wrapped in some I don't want to hear brother. <laughs> oh, no. I'm not going to hear from Jason for like five hours now. Once <laughs> we finish the show. <laughs> it's going to be a moratorium on Cliff today. A hump day moratorium on Cliff Dorfman. Oh, that's funny. Uh, uh, it's well, not, not true. I don't have a ton of news today because it's early still. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, there's a couple things I wanted to tell you about. Uh, the uh, Do you know who Ronald D. Moore is? Not off the top of my skull. He did. He's he's the showrunner for all for all mankind on Apple Plus, and he also was Battlestar Galactica. Oh, um, he is responsible for creating a cinematic universe for um, a series of stories based on Disney's Magic Kingdom. Wait, really? This is new. Yes, this is new. So Moore's first project is the Society of Explorers and Adventures. Adventurers, um, and it will apparently revolve around uh, characters like, hypothetically, but like the seaboat captain from the Jungle Cruise and the prospector from Big Thunder Mountain or the wow. climbers of the Matterhorn. Um, so they're going to basically be creating this like 
tied in universe. I don't know if that means they're going to bring in the existing Pirates of the Caribbean lore or this uh, Jungle Boat uh, movie that uh, stars The Rock already. But um, he, this is basically a TV deal. Um, and this Society for Explorers and Adventures is going to be the first section of it because, uh, you know, if there's something that people have never seen or heard about before, it's the rides at Disneyland. <laughs> was that a joke? Yes. Because <laughs> it was good. <laughs> the, the pilot episode of Entourage, we had the movie, the Matterhorn, the movie. That was the movie Vince was ultimately going to turn down. I mean, we had a whole well, other French director. It's, it's one of those things, like, it's just a matter of time before... Uh, satire and tv mer- and, and real life merge i mean uh, they made aquaman so you know why not make matterhorn the, the tv show i mean you know it's yeah. uh it's 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 kind of interesting I, but it's interesting also have you seen uh, all mankind on apple plus i i have not watched it it it's it feels like something it, it feels like something that I, I should see that i'm gonna pretend to see like if i was gonna do a have you uh, never seen it, that would be one of those <laughs> things that i'd be like i've never seen for all mankind i think that i probably I saw it space to. race yeah. Space Race. I Space saw race. it. It's great. Great. Season two coming great. Out. It's great. Everybody loves Solid it. Solid TV. I can't. I have not yet because it feels like something I'm supposed to watch. And you don't tell me what TV to watch. I'm going to watch another rerun of fucking uh, Blackish or, uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> Tim says Jason is over the early time. Yeah, no, he is. Trust me. I'm aware. You don't understand yeah, how much trouble Jason I'm actually in. Hey. BTS trouble <laughs> i'm just telling you that's why i'm publicly apologizing because i'm already nervous i'm like oh no i really fucked up <laughs> and the thing is jason loves doing this and he was just as excited as i was about rj it's awesome. not about that it's about that i didn't even fucking for a second think to ask it was the most incredibly inconsiderate thing i could do but by saying all this i'm, I'm taking the wind out of his sails is what yeah. i'm hoping to do i'm just deflated now i don't even have the anger to keep me going this morning just deflation i look like a i look like a, i look like a condom you put over your head and then let go it went the opposite way it didn't go the way i wanted it went the opposite way it's like it further down but no i i'm never look i i've never been a mankind space race guy like the apollo uh show i just didn't you know didn't uh, pump my nads so to speak it, it, it doesn't mean it's not great it just you know it's never been my uh, my bag uh that being said people really speak highly of this Mm-hmm. Mankind, but it wouldn't strike me as because he was a showrunner on Battlestar Galactica, not a creator, right? So it's interesting that Disney has now given him, tasked him with creating a brand new universe. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. So I mean, they they do it interesting. I mean, think about Favreau. I mean, he made that spiritual sequel to Jumanji, mm-hmm. right? The the space one. Yeah, uh, Zapatra. Oh, no. Yeah, Space Jumanji. Let's just call it what it is. Baby Yoda, Space Jumanji. They're the same. Um, And, uh, but other than that, it was like Elf made um, that that movie with with the food truck and uh, and Swingers. Right? Yeah, and then they dumped him into the, uh, you know, Marvel Universe and now Star Wars. Well, Marvel Universe, Star Wars. He also did, um, you know, he's also responsible for the Jungle Book. You know, he took on a lot of Disney stuff. Um, I think he might have done Jungle Cruise. So he, he's been, you know, they, they're not afraid to put, you know, like the guy who did Spider-Man Far From Home. That's MCU putting, you know, that's, that's Marvel suggesting the director, not Sony. He'd done mm-hmm. Cop Car and a, and a really weird clown movie, like a horror clown movie. Like they're not afraid mm-hmm. to put things 
in the hands of people that they think can like run it. And I, and, and, and so like, I give Disney credit for that. Like, that's the thing. Like if you could hit it as a young kind of up and coming director, um, in a Disney thing, next thing you know, you're the Russo brothers who obviously have a lot bigger, you know, stable of stuff that they've done over the, over the time period, but like nothing like when they, you know, they just take over the MCU. Well, yeah, but wait, today is the 24th or the 25th? 24th. 24th. I don't think I can talk about Cherry yet. Nope. Oh my God. Okay. I can't. So I won't, but I, I can tomorrow. I can Friday. Yep. Cherry up and coming show from uh, Apple plus uh, that we'll Russo talk about Brothers. then. Yep. Bruce yeah, Bruce brother. Right. But yeah, you're right. They, they do tend to have uh, uh, an affinity towards like, Hey, you know what? We'll let you do that. And I think they, they pick their people. And th- this guy now is one of them. I- I'm very interested to see how this, how this turns out. I mean, now he's rich, you know, well, he's about to be wealthy. I, I mean, I think that it, like, I mean, all these people, it's just, that's just how it works. Like he's going to be, you know, I, but, but, but right now this is all, you know, one thing to remember with Disney and with a lot of this stuff that's been coming out, this is not like something that hasn't been coming for a while. Um, mm-hmm. He's in charge of it now, but this has been, you know, I think, like I said, Favreau was initially going to do this. There is something with this kind of stuff where they do a lot of spec style pieces like this, even their movies. You know, when you look at the slate of it, Marvel movies that were supposed to come out versus what did um, things change uh, Star Wars too. Um, so this is, this is that point where like, yeah, as long as, long as the wind doesn't switch, this is going to be a very, you know, lucrative opportunity for this guy. For sure. So, all right. We have anything else we want to talk about or do we want to wrap it a little um, early? No, there's not, a, there's not a ton going on. Um, the Punky Brewster show is coming out. Um, yeah, you sent me the trailer for that. I got to tell you, I mean, it looked okay. Well, it's fine. <laughs> I, it, it, it's, it's been getting, uh, it's what kind fine. of reviews? Not C. C-ish. Really? Yeah, same. It feels like that's Peacock's wheelhouse right now. It's like, <laughs> You're not wrong. Um, I mean, is the, the Rock getting good reviews? Young Rock? Mm, yeah. Meh. Yeah, yeah. But is it getting yeah. good viewership? Um, well, I don't know if what I don't know last night's ratings. Um, we know that the first one didn't do poorly. Didn't do bad. The first yeah. one didn't do bad. Um, it's still. I mean, Rotten Tomatoes has it at an eighty-eight. IMDb has it at a six point eight. So it's not doing horrible. It was 88? on eight. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that could be an upcoming sign of the apocalypse. You are you kidding me? An eighty-eight. The rating, the ratings for last night aren't out yet. Um, Get Jacqueline Coley on here. (laughs) What the hell is going on? Young Rock eighty-eight audience score ninety-three, twenty-five critical ratings Um, overall. The consensus, according to our Rotten Tomatoes, is anchored by a winsome ensemble. Young Rock is an endearing peek behind the curtain of both Dwayne Johnson's childhood and the wild world of wrestling. Yeah, you know, I, I think we can attribute the 88 to wrestling fans. Well, that's critics. The audience scores 93. Is the Lider, thing. This show's, this show's Wire, not going Rock, anywhere. Salon, uh, IGN Movies. Uh, you know, but remember, a fresh doesn't mean an A. It just means over like a B minus, right? right? So, like, you can get you can you get a lot of you get a lot of shows, you know, that get that get pretty high on this thing, but aren't necessarily like best show ever it's just a critically there's a consensus that it's above a b minus right well now you got to tell me what the crew is oh um on netflix because that's i mean the crew makes uh, young rock look like uh you know an academy award winning adaptation the crew you know it's weird but you believe it or not there's um 
870 movies show up when you type in the crew. Uh, 17%. Okay, thank God. <laughs> 17. Oh, and that might be okay, the wrong good. crew. That's a different crew. That's the 20 sub things in South Beach. Hold on. I thought that was the crew 2021. That's clue 1995. Um, let's see. The crew. Oh, okay. no. You're not going to give me good news. I know you're not. I mean, at least tell well, me that's that. just what comes up when you type in the crew right now. It's not connected right on um, on there. So the 1995 version of the crew shows up every time I type it in. So uh, you're, you're safe for today. You're okay, safe so there's today. no, there's no, um, what do you call it? There's no actual rating on them? Nope, not right now. Not right now. Okay, um, because. But, okay, so, but, but we have probably uh, eight minutes, nine minutes. Okay. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about uh, any anything you've been watching lately? Well, well, I am going to tell you. I did look it up. It is, it's eighty percent on. Oh, really? Rotten on Rotten audience audience score. Oh, audience the, score. Yeah, audience tomato score meter count. is seventeen percent. Everything gets like a hundred on the audience. Like audience audiences love what they watch. I don't ever trust the audience score because they watch. They, they're they're going to rate things that they like, or I guess they think rate things that they don't. But I feel like on these types of things, most people mm-hmm. like everything's got an audience score like. That's either way bigger or way lower than anything else. Like Cobra right. Kai got a ninety, by the way, my, um, and the audience score of a ninety, right? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, but I, I think you know Dickinson got a hundred. I guess I wonder how Dickinson did with the audience ninety. So they got a hundred and ninety. Um, just have to. I'll, I'll try and find something that's. Oh, this is because well, the I, reason I'm having a hard time finding well, uh, rotten ones is because I'm looking at certified fresh TV. There's not as many. Um, Oh, Rotten gotcha. That, that well, Variety says that not that long ago, the crew would have felt like a conventional sitcom, but now it feels like a relic from an era we are lucky to have left behind. So at least, you know, the critics agree with me. Yeah. I, uh, you know, oh boy. Okay, yeah. I, go ahead. Well, like behind your eyes on uh, on um, Amazon Prime, just as an example, they got 38 critical on the tomato meter, right? Uh, critic score, uh, mm-hmm. audience score of 88, right? Like people, you know, have a tendency to... Uh, you know, I think in those two particular things, rate, rate it a little bit higher. Yeah, but it also takes like, you have to like it and then you have to leave it and go to Rotten Tomatoes and rate it. It's like, it's an extra piece of, yeah, it's an extra piece of effort that you have to do. It's their job. They think of it as their job. Like if they don't do it, if they don't review it, if they don't Yelp it, it, then who will? You know, and then- It's like people that edit Wikipedia. I'm not judging you guys. If you're, if you're out there- Rating Wikipedia, doing Wikipedia articles. Good for you. Good on you. But that's, I think that's part of the thing. Like if you're a fan, you like part of it's like, Hey, I love this show. I wouldn't doubt, you know, I'm not saying that I'm not saying not for nothing, mm-hmm. but like, I'm not, and I'm not saying anybody would ever do this, but I'm sure there are people in the industry that make sure that they rank the shows that they support in one form or fashion or another as fresh, regardless of its uh, actual quality. Yeah. I've heard stories of, you know, by the way, having, if yeah. you like or don't like uh, Stuck at Home, please rate us five stars on pod- Apple Podcasts. Everybody please. give five stars, please, even if we're only three stars in your mind. Yes. Because tomatoes. Because the crew. Because tomatoes. Yeah, because the crew. I mean, 80%. But you're right, Jason. It is, it is an issue. Here's the thing that I've been noticing, and we talked about this last night. I There's a drought right now, which is a weird thing to say because there's so much out there, you know, allegedly. But other than this Billie Eilish, the world's a little blurry thing coming out on uh, the 26th on Apple Plus, uh, and, and Cherry coming out at the same time, right? There, there's, n- like, almost nothing to watch, right? Am I am I missing something that... No, I mean, there's stuff. There's just not stuff that, you know, we're in love with, right? Like, 
You know, there is, you know, Tell Me Your Secrets is one of those that just came out, but it's not great. There's just nothing good to watch. I, I think that right now we've gotten through a lot of the pieces that are interesting. There was a lot of good, I mean, if you think about it over the last little while between, um, you know, Judas and the Black Messiah, Promising Young Woman, mm-hmm. um, Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. So um, funny. We, we got to see a lot of new films that are pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's WandaVision that came out resident alien that came out, you know, have you been watching you, that resident alien? Yeah. No. Um, but not, not I for have. really any good reason. Just, I kind of been wanting to collect them all and wait until it's a little bit more like all together. So I could just kind of breeze through it. Um, there's, you know, there's some shows that are getting, you know, there get shows that are getting new, noticed. Maybe that might not be our cup of tea, but they're there. You know, it's a sin was real highly, highly rated. Um, the sinner, uh, third season has come out and that's another one that's pretty high rated and doesn't oh. necessarily mean we're, we're, we're going to review all these ones and, and are, are, are there, but those have all kind of started. You have Superman and Lois that just came out, which is getting good reviews for, uh, you know, for one of those kind of, you know, C dub shows. Mm-hmm. Um, have yeah, you watched I, I, the um, Alan Farrow thing? Uh, no, no, I haven't. I haven't had it. I haven't had a chance to, to really sit down and dig into that. That one's again, I will watch that one. Uh, but that one is going to be, I feel like a little bit of work. Well, it's, it's heavy, man. It's yeah. seriously heavy. It's very disturbing on, you know, every level. Uh, I, you know, we were talking about this and I'm not sure what it means or doesn't mean. I think, you know, HBO Max has found this uh, spot where they're leaning into these uh, documentaries about uh, either sexual misconduct or sex. And, you know, we saw it with the uh, Nexium. We, we covered it. Oh, okay, with, oh the Nexium guy? Uh, yeah, yeah, Nexium. Right, Nexium guy, Keith Rainier. You know, uh, we see it with the, there's no I in threesome. You know, they're, they're, they're definitely finding this this brand in there that they're using. This thing is, is though, it's it's heavy. And by the way, what you're saying is not a bad idea. I think it's the kind of, um, I don't know if it's four episodes or six episodes, but it's almost like I'd like to wait to watch it all straight through. Instead of week to week, this is one of those where it's like, give me, give me all of them. Don't give me one well, a week. You also got to remember with this one too. Um, this is not an HBO uh, Max uh, exclusive. This is also on HBO, right? So this is this wasn't created for specifically for HBO Max. This is this is a this is a standard HBO piece of content that most people are um, are watching on HBO probably. Really? So yeah. So so most people are still using HBO. Is that what's yeah. happening? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's still there's huge numbers on the HBO Max stuff, but there are there you know there's still a large contingent of uh, of people that are on 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 traditional HBO. Right, and that's where they're finding this stuff. Well, HBO has that. Uh, I think it's an overall deal with uh, Ronan Farrow, so I'm sure it comes out of that, and which is why we're seeing the family support, you know, when, on such a large level for this documentary or docu series, I should oh. say. Um, listen, it's. Uh, it's it's not it's not fun, I'll tell you. You know, it's it it's it might be important to watch, but it's not fun to watch. It's not like hey, I'm gonna sit down right. and you know I'm excited. Or it's salacious, but in the disturbing kind of way. Um, not in the exciting, fun kind of hey, look at this kind of way. Yeah, yeah, no, no, not even a little bit at all. But yeah, I, I do think that you know, like you're saying, like there's that um that Amazon series, there's that Amazon movie, which was Palm Springs uh, meets Groundhog Day for the YA audience. But, you know, first of all, Amazon has been, you know, not like, I can't wait for the boys season three, which I know they're filming now, but I, I, I literally don't see them stepping up in the series department, uh-huh. right? No new stuff really at all. 
I mean, other than this new one that is just, you know, it didn't, it didn't, it wasn't compelling to me. Yeah, no. Your secrets? no, I don't think and it didn't do well. Like I said, it's like a 38 on the meter. Um, so I don't think that it did super well. I mean, they're, they're, they're still dipping their toe in a weird sort of way. Right. I don't know that I understand what Amazon, like, it, like, I don't know if they're actually marketing Amazon prime video in a way, or it's just like something that you find out you get when you get two day shipping. Um, it's just a weird setup, right? Like people know that it exists obviously, and it has some big shows and it's kind of my go-to a lot of times to look because you can at least buy stuff within it. Like you can, I like the uh, interface cause I can go in and if I want to watch a show that exists, I got that, but I can also go in and uh, um, you know, if I want to rent something, it's right there. Kind of like Apple, uh, right. which, which will do the same thing with the TV. Um, but it's just, it is a little bit um, you know, now that Apple TV honestly is available as an app um, I'm using that a lot more too. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't quite get their strategy on it, but, I wonder if they really need one um, at this point. <laughs> no, they, they listen. You're right. They probably don't. Um, I, I don't think any of them. They they removed Bezos. Bezos, right? I mean, he's gone. But, well, not uh, removed so much as he stepped down. Like that. That, that wasn't like App, uh, Amazon's. Like Bezos, you're just fucking it up. So why did he step down? He's he's was the richest man in the world. So he's just like I don't want to do this anymore. I just want to hang. He's out. retiring. He's going to be on the board. He'll still do 10, 10 more things, but like, what do you got to prove at this point? He just took all the well, money. No, Elon got... Musk is the richest guy in the world, right? Right. But, you know, I mean, he, um, but here's the truth. Like, it would be Bezos if the divorce didn't split his uh, his money in half. Oh, I see. Okay. All right. So so really, Elon's like on an asterisk. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's, it's, he's full on. He He did his thing, but like... You know, if that, that money hadn't been cut into two, um, you know, and rightfully so, uh, you know, it would have been, there'd probably be a different story going on right now. Yeah, it's like that Billy Crystal movie, 61 or 62 with Mantle. Uh, oh, I don't know that one. Oh yeah, it's baseball. It's surprising I know it, but it was a movie, so. <laughs> Yay. Yay. <laughs> Otherwise, it's like sports, what? No, I don't know that. I did start watching the guest book. Um, which I'm late to, but it, it's pretty good. That's all I'm going to yeah, say. I, I don't mind it. I laughed. I've been laughing. Okay, it's, so, yeah. It's uh, Garcia, right? Yeah. Yeah, the guy, you told me that, the guy who created uh, My Name is Earl. Yep. And you got Jamie Presley doing, yesterday. you know, you have the whole gamut of people that he works with. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the for, the pilot's a bed from Community. Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. Danny Puri's in there. Yeah, he's so he's so good. Yeah, he's there's a, good. different different guests every week, which makes it kind of fun. Um, the second season, I didn't get into quite as much. They move it to the beach. Um, mm. Some of it's fun. I just kind of lost the thread on that one. Um, it was I liked it up in the up in the hills. Right. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, this has been a early episode. <laughs> I'm stuck well, at home, Jason. Bad. I want to thank you. Uh, I don't thank you, Cliff Dorfman. That was awesome. such a trooper. I mean, honestly, RJ, thank you so much for being here. Uh, you got to yes. check out this documentary. It's so good. Um, it's out in two days. Well, it's a little uh, we're very blurry. excited, um, and uh, thank you. All right. Well, everyone, stay safe, stay sane, stay strong. Jason Smith. Cliff Dorfman. I love you, everybody. Thank you. Jason,